Anita, how's your mental health? <laughs> Questionable <laughs> at all times. You know this. Yeah. How's the mental health of your children? Um, also a little bit tricky. Can I tell you my experience in trying to find therapists for myself and my kids, Mel? Yes, please. Okay. This is how it goes. You ask around your friends and your family for a referral for somebody who's nearby. You finally find somebody who sounds like they might work for your family. You give them a call and you find out that A, they're not accepting new patients or B, they have a huge wait list. So you start over again and you ask people if they know anybody who would be a good therapist and a good fit. Finally, you find one, you go and you meet with them and you figure out that you don't actually like them that much. But it's been so much work to find somebody who you can go to in your area that you're kind of stuck with them. Well, do you have any ideas for how to get around this? Um, I do, because guess what? I've actually had some therapists that I have found on my own, which involves what you're saying. Sometimes I remember one time I was like three hours in the bathtub on my phone looking through yeah. websites. I was such a prune at the end. But I have also had the experience with working with BetterHelp and it was like, I, I don't want to say too good to be true, but because it is true, but it's like amazing because I was matched with my therapist within 24 hours. And you didn't have to go through all of that other ridiculous process of trying to find somebody. And here's the cool thing too, is if that person didn't work out for you, you can just switch and say, and it's not like you're committing to another years long search for somebody who you're going to jive with. It's true. And I lucked out or maybe just BetterHelp is really good at matching people together because I never had to change my therapist. I loved her. Perfect fit for me. And I know that some of our friends have used BetterHelp and they've had to change therapists and boom, same day can change. Easy peasy. You can ghost your therapist. <laughs> Get a new one. I love this idea. BetterHelp is one of our sponsors. If you use our promo code, trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN, you get 10% off your first month and we totally recommend it. Yes. Get some therapy. That's <laughs> trybetterhelp.com slash WWDN. Okay. We survived another one. Kind of. Yeah. Have we? Is it over yet? Well, we're recording this at night on Father's Day. We're almost there. Yeah, but you will all hear this when we will have survived, hopefully. Tell me, Mel, how has it gone for you? I slept in and then I edited the podcast and then I took <laughs> another nap and my mom and I had a dinner for ourselves. My sister and her new wife were going to come, but that something came up for them, so they weren't able to come. But we had my dad's favorite dinner and we put his tennis ball creation on a plate that said today is your day and put his plate at the head of the table and that's about it and we talked about my dad that's kind of how it's gone here scott was not a dad so i don't really celebrate scott on this day of fathers or dead fathers i wondered if father's day was like kind of an issue or a non-issue for you before your dad died because you guys didn't have kids for me it was a non-issue i would say I don't know. I'm trying to remember back, like, the first few times. It was just like, well, this is weird because he wasn't a dad. We didn't have children plans in the making at the moment. So it kind of, for me, was like always about my dad. Sorry, Scott. Hope you're not offended. But you know what? <laughs> you died before you had a child. Before that was even, yeah, an option. 
What about you? Yeah, Father's Day, I just feel like there's just this strange kind of emptiness, irritability that happens even without trying to make a big deal about it. It's just like, you know something is not right about the day. Even though it's so stupid because Father's Day and Mother's Day, they're just made up days. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they don't they don't actually mean anything in the universe. It's like Hallmark decided that they wanted to sell cards. And so they're like, we'll make Father's Day just like it's like National Pancakes Day sometimes. <laughs> I'm not sad on National Pancake Day. Or like we could make up National Anita and Mel Day. And then if someone doesn't celebrate it, we're like yeah. offended or something. Yeah. And they should sell cards for that. So I do think <laughs> it's so interesting because it's like not even a real thing. It's like it's a construct that we've made up and we like let ourselves feel bad on that day and so sometimes I kind of beat myself up for feeling bad and also I'm like I don't want to feel bad because that's what's expected of me and I want to not be what's expected but I do I feel an emptiness I feel a hollowness that is that something is missing from my life and I know that to be the case now here's something that is also interesting that I have noticed and I was kind of crystallizing it today is that when I spend time with the other people in my family and in my support system who I feel love from and who provide some of the same things as a a dad would provide, I feel a lot better. Like that hollowness and that emptiness really goes away. So we visited with my family. We visited with Jason's family. And I was like, I feel a lot better after, you know, laughing with them and spending time with them. And, you know, not all is lost. So it sounds like you had all the emotions. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been like a bad day. I haven't like had any crying or anything. It's just kind of this like low thrum of not normal and don't go on social media (laughs) for sure although I was laughing about that because I was like when I look on social media a lot of my friends are widows and so it's all like dead husband dead husband dead husband and not as much a live husband a live husband a live husband (laughs) yeah mine's about 50 50 musicians and widows so so (laughs) I still get the father's day posts so we were talking about this yesterday Anita it's so weird to me that your husband is gone, so your kid's dad is gone, but your dad is still here, and your grandpa is still here. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like they kind of get the shaft, because my mind is so caught up in the fact that Jason's gone, you know, my kid's dad is gone, that it's almost like I don't consider the other fathers in my life, so... I do feel a little bit bad about that. We got to spend some quality time with my dad yesterday, though. You guys. You guys. (laughs) Okay. All right. Widow Wives Club, you know what's about to happen. We're going to explain (laughs) the saga of the skate ramp. Dun, dun, dun. What did you do? (laughs) Once upon a time, I made a half impulse purchase under stress that was validated, I think. It It was deserved and validated that I needed this ramp. And it got shipped to me last week. Now, when a skateboard ramp gets shipped to you, it's not put together. It's a bunch of pieces. So I ordered the skate ramp and I had to call the freight company to schedule the delivery. So I made really good friends with this guy named Rob at the (laughs) freight company. And we talked many a time to figure out if I needed people to come help me unload, what time, He looked at the shipment. He's like, what in the world is this? It looks like a bunch of pieces. I had to explain. Yeah, this is not a swing set like you are used to shipping. This is a skate ramp, but I have to put it together. If you have a delivery in the middle of the day, say like, or the middle of the morning, like 11 a.m. 
and you live in a neighborhood where everybody is elderly and all your friends are widows and your husband is dead and your dad is dead, then there might not be people around to help you unload a heavy thing. Like a, a million pound pallet. A 1,400 pound pallet of skate ramp parts. So luckily, my friend Val, hello Val, the best in all of the world, has just moved back to Utah. And she has been waiting for her shipment of her stuff to come across the country. So she was able to come at 11 at the designated time and day. She brought her husband and her husband's friend. Wait, I think it's both of their friends. Anyway, and her, her kids. And we were all waiting, and I got them cookies. And I already felt bad that I needed to ask people for help. So I was really grateful and just hoping that the delivery and the unloading would go smoothly. Because they're like, yes, you will need people to unload. Well, 11 comes. 11.30 comes. There's no skate ramp. So it's getting closer to noon, and I call my good buddy Rob. And I'm like, Rob, do you know where my ramp is? Like, nobody's been here. And he's like, what? Let me call my guy. He gets back with me after about 10 minutes. And he goes, well, we don't actually know where it is, so uh, it's not going to arrive yet. And I go, so are you saying I should send my people home? And he's like, yeah. Okay, great. He's like, I promise we'll find it, and then I'll call you. So my friends got to have the cookies. At least they got that for their time coming to my house. And then I heard from Rob again. He goes, I found it. They actually were trying to replace the bottom pallet because it broke and then they took your name off of the order. Nobody communicated. So that it was a miscommunication. And he goes, I'm so, so, so sorry. And thank you so much for not being a jerk to me and being mad because I get people that are mad a lot. So it actually worked in my favor that I did not get upset with him. I don't have energy to get upset at strangers or anything. And... He said it would be on the truck the next day and I would not have to bring anybody to help unload. And so before that happened, though, I was in the Widow Wives Club like, guys, of course this happens. Do I need to pull my Widow card out? And so that was a fun conversation. And I always love everybody's opinions and commentary on that. But it came the next day. One dude unloaded it with this magic forklift thing. And then Anita and I got to work. <laughs> We were widows with power tools, man. <laughs> it took us three days. So we, and Anita has a million kids, as you know, <laughs> and a job. And so two of the days we worked at the worst time of day. Oh, we were so it really hot. Was bad. But we got it done. The pictures are in the Widow Wives Club. One day we'll make a video about it. Now all I have to do is paint the top. And some other curation stuff. And then I will be ready to skate on it. Yeah, I'm proud of us, Mel. That was a huge endeavor. That was like not a small job. It's so classic, Mel, too, to be like, I'm going to do this. And I only know two steps ahead. And I'll figure out the rest as I go along. <laughs> that's how this podcast started. Yep. And that's how my skate ramp started. And yep. look, Anita, you're helping me with both things. This is the part where my dad comes into the story. So remember, guys, my dad lives seven houses away from Mel. Well, we got to this one step and it said that we needed to cut this board and I had put a saw in my car, but my daughter had taken it out of the car to be really helpful. <laughs> so I didn't arrive with the saw and I was like, well, I can either go home and get the saw 
or we can just walk down to my dad's house. My dad has a wood shop in his basement. Like he's a very skilled maker of things. So we start trekking down this hill, carrying this sheet of plywood. Everybody's waving at us. They're like, what are you doing? And we're like, hi. So we get down to my dad's house and I'm like, I need you to cut this board. Can you cut this board for us? And we had discussed how we didn't want to have any help on this project. We just wanted to do it by ourselves. And so we were having this discussion and I was like, well, here's the truth, Mel. We can do it by ourselves and, or we could just ask my dad to cut this board and he will do it in like one tenth the time and it will be done really well. And so let's just, let's just have him cut the board. And so we went down. It's so true. Like I would never have thought to do it the way that he did it. It was profesh. Also, I am not allowed to use anything that cuts anything <laughs> because I'm a piano player. So, <laughs> so when it, we got to that point, we're like, can Randy Randall be an honorary widow and help with this project? Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. So he, he cut the board. He did it really well. It fit perfectly. I was like, there's no way we would have done that quite so well. And also, Mel, did you know that he's missing like two of his fingers? What? Just I FYI. I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah, that's why you can't cut things. Anyway, so then he's like, well, I'll have to come see your progress. And he came up and he was like, you guys have done a terrible job. I thought we did a great job. Did he say that? No, not exactly, but a little bit kind of. Um, He was just like, this this edge isn't square. And I'm like, you know what? It's square enough. So uh, he helped us put the final layer on, which was good because, again, we would have figured it out, but he was able to do it in, like, one one thousandth of the time because his brain just works like that. So we got it all put together. And- we had, like, eight drills there by that point because then your brother-in-law <laughs> came over. Anyway, yeah. it's it was amazing. And we learned things, too. Yeah. We learned about different kinds of drills and that we had the wrong ones the entire time. Yeah, that was kind of upsetting. I'm like, what? We could have been using a different kind. There's a difference, you guys, between a drill motor and an impact driver. And we were using drill motors because we don't have impact drivers. But my dad has seven, so we used those. And I learned that my dad, I thought that his drill would work because a dad's drill should work for everything, right? My dad's drill is not an impact driver either. But we did it, Anita. I'm so proud of us. Me too. And you know what? Who would have ever thought in our lives we would say that we have built a skateboard ramp ever? It's Not so weird. On list. Yeah, I feel really proud of us. I'm like, we did it. So that was that was our whole week was power tools, Mel and Anita. And then after that, we went and got a car battery. We were so like <laughs> broing it yesterday. I know. I got to spend some time with Anita's dad. And it was a joy, and I have many stories from it, and now we're best friends. And thank you, Anita, for donating your time, and now you have to come skate on the ramp after I paint it. I'm terrified of that thing. I posted, Mel posted a video of me trying to just run down the ramp, and I almost fell flat on my face, so. You guys, we know that being a widow is hard and sucks, and a lot of times the person that has died is the person that did the things with the tools, we just want you to know it's possible to learn or and possible to find somebody to help you. So widows are pretty hardy folk. So you can do it. If you're questioning yourself, can I do this? Absolutely. Just think. Yeah, give it a try. If Mel and Anita could build a skateboard ramp, I can put up a <laughs> shelf and get on YouTube and look up a video. You can do yeah. this. You can do this. 
Well, we hope that Father's Day was okay for all y'all and that it was not too emotional or too overly emotional to where you couldn't deal with the feelings that you were having. And if you, if it was really emotional, like that's okay. It sucks, but it doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. It just means it's a hard day. So, you know, you just get to sit with those feelings and get to say, yeah, I'm really pissed that my husband is gone or my father is gone or whoever is gone because it can go beyond just you know, spouse and partner loss as well. You know, what's so interesting, Anita, is you know how I've been doing the French Duolingo thing. And I've had two experiences in the last few weeks, like with two different people. And one was with French and they're like, what are you up to lately? And I'm like, oh, I'm learning French. And then, and they were like, why? Why would you ever do that? That's so what? stupid. I know. I'm like, um, what? I'm like, well, why would you do that if you're not going to France or you're going to go live in France? I'm like, because learning is fun and awesome and I love it. So there was that. And then there is another instance where somebody that thought they knew better was telling me what I should do about my job and this and that, like every aspect of my life, what I should do, because obviously they knew better. And I'm so glad that I've been through a lot of crap in my life because my reasoning is because, well, I don't want to do this because I don't want to. There's no other good reason. Like, I don't have to have a reason for that. However, if you had asked me this stuff before I kind of got toughened up by life, I would have maybe listened to that person and been like, oh, maybe they know more than I do about myself. Somebody that has talked to you for like 12 minutes of your entire life is telling you what to do and you'd be like, oh, maybe they're right. But now you're like, no, I know what I need, want, yeah, desire. I've yeah what will fulfill me yeah I've been around the block many a time with hard things and with relationships and with (laughs) learning stuff and with with job things so you know what you guys you do not need a reason other than I don't want to or I do want to anything else is nobody else's business and you can shut that down or you can walk away or you know what one day that person will go through things and they'll be like I was so stupid Hmm. so that's my message today. Can we just talk about how when people say this isn't my first rodeo, how that implies that like, you know what you're doing on your second rodeo? Like, I think it should take a few more rodeos, don't you think? Well, I don't know. I've never actually ridden in a rodeo, so. Me neither, nor do I desire to, but. Yeah. I think that's a strange thing to say. This isn't my first rodeo. I know what I'm doing. Well, I'm glad, Mel, that you can stand up for yourself and know know what you know what's best for you so guys if you want to tell us how your father's day went you want to see the skateboard ramp videos or you want to just talk about how things are going come join us in the widow wives club it's our private facebook group it is full of really quality people i'm telling you we go for quality over quantity every day of the week just make sure you answer all the questions and don't get angry about us making you prove that you're a widow it's for the safety of everybody in the group including you And if you want to keep the podcast going, will you please consider supporting us on Patreon? Patreon is a platform that allows listeners to support content creators such as podcasts. It helps us to make the decisions about where to spend our time and podcasting takes a lot of time. And, you know, we're widows and we have lots of things tugging at our time. So it's patreon.com slash WWDN. We have four different tiers from Widow Friend and up, but at the $10 level, which is Widow Bestie and up, you can get several perks. One of them is a shout out in episode, and the second is ad free episodes. 
So if you're interested in that, check out patreon.com slash WWDN, and we are going to do our shout-out right meow. Meow. To our secret dead husband, in honor of the Bee Gees, more than a widow, more than a widow to me. <laughs> I love the Bee Gees. Yeah. Next, we've got Constance Dahlbeck. David Kelly. Don Satterwhite. Gail Bell. Ivan the Meisner TM. Cat. Krista Waite. Maya Glasser. Sam Finlayson. Amber Vela. Amy Hartman Martell. Amy Neal. Amy Sapp. Ashley Hahn. Barbara Schneeberger. Brittany Pedro. Chris Steffen. Christina Shiflett. Cindy Wilkerson. Danielle Catterberg. Debbie Downer Nada. <laughs> Dennis Brasso. Jean Marie Massey. Jenny Taylor. Jennifer Beale. Jennifer Brown. Jennifer E. Hassel. Jenny Wang. Carol Schultz. Kelly Ford. Kirsten Stromberg Clausen. Laura Aguirre Penner. Lauren Old. Your hair looks amazing. Leslie Webb. Lou Colossen. Marie Hoffman. M.K. Anderson. Patricia Wiest. Rachel Barbosa, who my five-year-old was talking about the other day. Sarah Morris, that helped us with the ramp one day. Sylvia Shore. Who allowed us to put the ramp <laughs> in said location. Taylor Snyder. The Winehouse, Karen Cornejo. Vicky Spit. Anna Tracy. Christina Scambato. Christine Anderson. Cindy Raynaud. Connie Remich. Welcome. Hello. Judy Malkin. Don Barber. Debbie Fells. Deborah, Deborah Westwood. Deborah Westwood. <laughs> Diana Becker. Emily Toledo. Eric Vandermeulen. Aaron Posick. Gabe Lozano. Gia Benoit. Gina Haas. Ian Sini. Ileana Bell. Jackie, one of my people. Jane, Anita's also mom. Also one of my people. Happy birthday yesterday, which is also two days ago. Jennifer Davis. Jenny Armstrong. Jenny Barrow. Jocelyn Milo. Julie Stevenson. Karina Jacobo. Kathy Murray. Katie Radcliffe. Kara Scara. Kevin Ferry. Chris Morgan. Laura Bradbury. Laura Keeley. Lindsay Kanopka, yes! Lori Farrington. Marjorie Lewis. Mary McGowan. Megan Montague. Melissa Bowers. Melissa Hancock. Missy Schwert. Best daughter ever. Peter Rukavina. Becky Ziba. Robin Flam. Sarah Kennedy. Stacy Saywert. Sunshine Haven. Tammy Terravist. Tara Wallace. Valerian Root Packer, who helped me with the ramp that was no longer coming to my house. Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But the Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone But the Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor.
And finally, we have South Wind Wendy blowing in from the south. Like a witch? <laughs> I think the Wicked Witch was from the west, so there are a few of them, yeah. Also, special thanks to a few of our patrons who do not wish to be named in the shout out. We really appreciate you and your support, as we do all of you. Thank you for helping us so that we can help others. We do appreciate you all. Uh, if you don't want to be on the Patreon, you can give us a rating review. That's free. And what else can they do, Mel? Buy us tacos at buymeacoffee.com slash widowwedonow. We are getting close to our trip to Australia, so you could also send us to Australia to buy some Tim Tams through that same link. Just an idea. <laughs> or just be nice to somebody today. And that's payment enough. Whatever works for you. And if you can't get out of bed today, we support you. Whatever works for you. All right, Mel, are we ready to get to our episode today? We are. Let's get to it. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We are two young widows wielding power tools, building <laughs> things that we have no business building, and we are just trying to figure out widow. We do now. This episode is sponsored by the Meisner Family Foundation in memory of Elizabeth Meisner. Everybody, we have a flamenco dancer with us. <laughs> Change of topic. I think that's I think that's one of her many talents because this person is not just a one-trick pony. At least a six-trick pony. Maybe seven. I wonder if that's a bad thing to say. I say the more skills the better, right? I, right. Okay. Well, I just didn't want her to feel bad that we were calling her a pony, right? Better a pony than an ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good point. Mel, who do we have with us here today? We have Miss V, and she has a many a name, so I'm going to let her give her name. Viery Brandon Nettlesford. Ooh. Ooh. So fancy. I know, right? <laughs> do you... Do you ever go by just Vi? All the time. Oh, that's cool. All the time. I love that. That's that's such a cute nickname. I have a great aunt Vi, and I like her. So yeah, try to say Viery three times backwards. 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 <laughs> She's like, we can't even master it forward. What do you can't even do it forward? I can say Vi three times forward. I'm sure. <laughs> Vi, where are you coming to us from? So I am from New York by way of Maryland. Okay, so you're an East Coast gal. Yes, ma'am. This is amazing. And what do you do in your life? What do you do for a job? Oh, wow. Mm, this might this might be getting ahead of ourselves. Let's see. This is where the seven tricks come in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I am a entrepreneur connoisseur oh mm, yeah I like that right so I am a two-time author my first book in 2014 my news starts now and my second book in 2020 called wounded widowed and winning I am also a transitional life and widow coach I am a speaker and a television host so See, cool. we weren't lying. Yeah. She's all the things that are cool and helpful, might I add. 
We actually met you at Camp Widow when we were in Tampa. We had a little bit of a hard time connecting and it was like by the skin of our teeth that we were able to, yeah, to get together. So we got a little taste of you when we were in Tampa and man, she is hustling. She has got her game off. Absolutely. So we, um, our husbands may be watching and he's like, you, what do you mean? You got a little taste of her. I know, right? I was like, Anita, did you really? You keep giving me these punchlines and I'm going to keep taking them. You got to take them. You got to take them. We sat and spoke with you. We did. We did. We did. Yes. We had it in a corner though. Right. In the corner. People kept stopping by. Everybody's moms need to turn this podcast off now. (laughs) But it's all good. It's plain fun, guys. So we met in Camp Widow. I actually reached out to you guys the first time and then I had to pull in backup. (laughs) So I had my team reach out to you and then we met in Camp Widow and we were just like playing tag, right? Yes. I pulled you to the side and we had a dynamic conversation, but I attended your workshop first and it was so, I was, I was sitting in the back because I came in a little late, but I really enjoyed it. I'm mad that I did not get a t-shirt during the workshop, oh. but I did get one after. Okay, good. Yeah. We made special arrangements. So do you want to tell us a little bit about your person and let's back up and kind of get a, a feeling for what life for you was like? For widowhood. Before widowhood. Oh my God. Do you even remember those times? I do. Okay. I do. It is 10 years. 11 years. It is 11 years this year, March 14th. Before widowhood was actually amazing. He was my best, bestest, friendest. And so we met um, when I was around 25 and I had two young children and I was previously married. And Yeah. So that was my second marriage and, you know, coming out of a very abusive relationship, right? Physically, emotionally, mentally abusive relationship. I was sure I was not going to date or anything. And we were working together. I was a dance teacher at an after-school program called Guardian Angels. And I'm not sure, do you guys have the Guardian Angels out there where you are? No. What is it? It's like the the guys that walk around with the red beret. You know, I'm sure people that listen to the podcast, they'll know what the guardian angels are. They they do a lot of after school community work. Cool. All I can think of is the Shriners because they also wear red, red berets. Hats, yeah. Yeah. Not berets, though. Oh, okay. they're fezzes. <laughs> so I was I was the only dance teacher in like, I think, 50 locations. And he was a music teacher. And so when I walked in one day, it was my first day at work. I had my son and the organizer of the program's like, oh no, send him in there. You know, we have a good gym teacher. So he was teaching the kids in the gym. And I was like, oh, I'm not too sure about that because I don't let my kids away from me. And so nonetheless, he went in the gym and over time, I realized he was extremely funny and I love to laugh. Like I can't be around you if you can't laugh, right? I mean, I can be conservative at times, but you're going to have to laugh a little. And so he was extremely hilarious. And we were friends for a year. 
But I didn't realize that he told our pastor at the time, yes, guys, I go to church. <laughs> um, so he told our pastor at the time, that's going to be my wife. And the pastor never heard him say anything. Like he was very quiet, very reserved. And the pastor was like, oh my God, like this has to be real because he doesn't talk. Like that's the first thing he ever heard him utter. Yeah. Wow. Like in long conversation, that was like the first thing. And so moving on, we were friends. Let me tell you something funny that he would do. He would, <laughs> just to impress me, we were in Brooklyn. New York. He would he was living in Brooklyn. He would go to Harlem every time we would have to go to work. So I worked Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. He would go to Harlem to pick me up a cheesesteak sandwich and bring it back to Brooklyn to go to work. Like so he would leave Brooklyn, go to Harlem, come back to Brooklyn just to bring me the sandwich. And I didn't know this until after we were married. And for those that don't know New York, that's like a hall on the trains yes. that's like a two-hour ride i'm impressed because then did he serve it to you hot after like it was hot it wasn't so he would do it like right before work and then come straight to work amazing right wow. like i wouldn't do that but i think i, I do did. love a good cheesesteak too <laughs> so yeah moving on like we became friends and then he would babysit my kids for me he would pick them up from school what? I mean, we became really good friends. And then one day we were in the kitchen and he's like, you want to marry me? <laughs> you just said it? Yeah, because we were really close friends. Did he have a cheesesteak in his hand instead of a ring? No. <laughs> it's like how someone would propose to Liz Lemon, I feel like. <laughs> so wait, so you hadn't even like technically dated. You had just been like best friends. And then he asked yeah. you to marry him. Mm -hmm. And so he, like, before that I met his mom and he introduced me like, that's my friend. Like, and that's what I believe. I don't believe in like dating and stuff like that. I mean, I know that against, goes against all the rules, but for me, I believe friendship, engagement, marriage. That's just for me. And I believe like the friendship part, it's strictly like collecting data, getting to know each other. So if you break it off, it's really not like breaking it off. It's just like, I can't be your friend no more. This is, this is a new, a new technique that I'm just learning about right yeah. now. But did you say yes? Oh, well, we got married. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't sure if it took a little more convincing. No, you were it was really easy. It was really, really easy. And I think it was easy because I was pr previously in a, an abusive relationship. And so knowing that somebody had my back, he took like my daughter, she was two. He, she was calling him daddy because it was so easy, right? Not before we got married, after we got married, <laughs> right? So he was, he just came out and he was like, you want to marry me? And I was like, that would be cool. <laughs> I love it. That would be very cool. I love it too. You know? What was his name? Nathaniel Brandon. Nathaniel. Nathaniel Brandon. Miss V. Yes. Because I have heard a little bit of your story previously on Alicia Reed's podcast. Yeah. I was like, I hope that we get to talk to this lady someday because you mentioned that you were married to a piano player or keys player or organ player. And that's what I am. And so I was like immediately like, tell me more. 
Yes. Is this him, Nathaniel? This is him. This is him. He was amazing. I mean, amazing. Like he played the organ, the piano, the drums, the bass guitar, and he sang. That's a lot. Wow. He was gifted, talented, very, very talented. So he was also a five trick, six trick, seven trick pony and and brought cheesesteaks too. Musicians know that food is always needed. Absolutely. Always good. And he was a great cook. What? Mm. He was an amazing cook. And so throughout my pregnancy with our daughter, he literally cooked the entire time. Like I did not have to cook. Wow. I did not have to cook. He was amazing. I'm bummed out that I know that he is not alive because he sounds so awesome. I'd love to hang Mm -hmm. out with him and you together. Well, I can always loan you his daughter. She has a personality. She does not cook. Does she play any (laughs) instruments? She plays the piano and she sings. And she plays basketball and she dances. Yes. So she's also. She's the 14 trick pony. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So you had two children from your previous relationship. And then you two had one daughter together. One daughter together. Oh. Yeah. And he, um. He passed away when she was two. Oh, that sucks. I know, right? Do you want to tell us what happened? Sure. So one day he was, so he got sick a, a year before and he was in a coma for three days. Whoa. Right. And he had diabetes. So he was in a diabetic coma for three days. But I believe God, right? And so I went in there. I wasn't crying. I wasn't doing anything. I was just like, he'll be fine, right? Like, I was like, he'll be fine. His parents and everyone was looking at me like, okay. I'm like, he's fine. He'll wake up. (laughs) And so I stayed there. And so a year later is he was in church playing on the piano. He had just finished, you know, in between services, they have dinner. (laughs) So he had just finished eating (laughs) and he was on the piano, like church was about to start and he had a seizure. So I was in another church at the time dancing because I'm a liturgical dancer. And so while he was having a seizure, I was ministering and I go in the back and I'm like, why is why am I, why do I have 52 calls? Oh, that's oh never my a gosh. good thing. Never a good sign. And he was si- like literally sitting on the piano having a seizure. Yeah. So he fell backwards because he was having a seizure. And I, I ran over to the church. It was literally five minutes away. My pastor and his wife kept the children. And I, um, I went to the church and I saw him laying there and he just kept having seizures. And so we got him into the ambulance and I knew something was different this time. I just knew something was different. And so, because this time everyone left me there at the hospital last time people were staying around. And, and so I felt like it was just time for just him and I, you know, And so throughout the night, I would go into the bathroom. I spoke about this. I would go into the bathroom and I would just keep praying like, all right, God, like, are you going to heal him? And he says, I'll heal him. I'll heal him. And so I came out of the bathroom and I, you know, I was feeling positive, confident. Every time I got that word, I was confident, went to his bed and it was just my stomach dropped. And so I was sitting there, just looking at him 
And I got up again and I felt his body and one side was cold, one side was warm. And so I went back to the bathroom and I started crying again. And I was like, okay, God, like you said you were going to heal him. Like, I need you to heal him. He said, um, he'll make it in. Oh, in where? Into heaven. That's all. That's all uh, he said. Uh. Came back out the bathroom and I was confident. I was like, okay. Then I saw him and now my, my stomach just dropped again. And I was like, all right, guy, you playing with my emotions. Like, this is not cool. Like, I'm gonna need you to just take it easy on me. <laughs> and I sat down and I saw, and I saw like, I saw something above the bed and I was just like, am I hallucinating right now? <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? And so I literally saw my entire life flash before my eyes. Like from the time we met to the time we first kissed to, the, to, to having our child, to being married, to me being a single mom again, to me being a widow. Like I saw my entire life flash. When anyone says that to you, it's real. Like it flashed before my eyes. It was like um, a slideshow. Wow. I got up and I went to the bathroom. I think you guys are getting the exclusive. I don't think I've ever said this part. <laughs> yes, this is what we're here for. This reminds me of like a near death experience, but you yeah. were, it was you for the that alive was alive. Person. Yeah. Keep telling us more. I'm so, I love this <laughs> so, stuff. It's so. I cool. went in the bathroom for the last time and I heard God say, you will get through this. And I knew at that moment, I was like, okay, something's about to rock my world that I'm not ready for. Right. And so I came out of the bathroom and I just sat there. It was like four in the morning and I knew he had passed four in the morning. And so I touched him. And I felt, you know, and I was like, okay, God, like, give me the strength. I've never, like, I've experienced a lot in my life, but going from a, an abusive relationship to meeting your best friend and enjoying life to now having to become a single mom all over again with another child, right? And then all of the thoughts of my children, like that's their dad. Like, what am I supposed to say? Like, it's one thing to process your own emotions and your own feelings. But when you have to do that with children, that's a whole different level, right? And so I'm thinking about all of these things at one time. And I'm like, I'm going to lose my husband. Like, that's my husband. Like, how is the world going to look at me? Right? I'm like, I'm 30 years old. This is crazy. So his family starts trickling I, no, I remember getting up, walking around, by, go, leaving the hospital and just walking around the building. And I was just walking and I was just, I felt like I was a walking zombie. Came back. His mom had arrived to the hospital. It's like 1030. His sister had arrived. At this point, it was like 11 o'clock. And I got up and I stood next to a wall. And so there's chairs here. There's the desk. Then there's his bed right in front. So I was sitting here the whole time and I got up and I, and I looked at everybody, everyone was in front of me and I stood against the wall and his room was right here. And so as I'm standing, the lady, the doctor comes out of the room and she rubs my shoulder, my arm. She said, I'm sorry, Miss Brandon. And I pass out. That's wild. So do you know what was causing the seizures? Was it diabetes? 
diabetes relation okay relation related related yeah it was diabetes his it was really really high I mean he was taking his medication you know so you passed out did they give you a hospital room too they gave me a bed though they did give me a, a stretcher so they picked me up and they put me on the um the stretcher and then when I woke up I just was crying I was just crying 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 and for those safe people that are listening, I started speaking in tongue <laughs> and I was just crying and I was just like, God, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to do this? And I, 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 I'm, I bounce back quick. <laughs> it may not be the healthiest thing, but I bounce back quick. And I remember crying and then thinking about my kids. So it immediately went off of me and straight to my children. And so I got up, like I sat up on the stretcher and I saw his sister and his mother crying and I looked at them and I was like, you guys will be okay. And then I went into the room where they had him and I remember kissing him on his forehead and I was like, I love you. Like with all my heart, I want to say the, the day, the day it happened, the Sunday, he died on a Monday morning at 11, but that Sunday I remember going right before we, before I danced in between services, I remember going over to the church where he was and I needed offering money. <laughs> so I went over to get money from him and he said, all you come over here to do is take my money. I was like, yeah, I would be useless if I didn't do anything else. Right. And we were laughing and he goes, never forget. I will always love you. Wow. Oh. Out of nowhere. Oh. And I would never forget that. And I was like, oh, I love you too. He was like, no, I need you to know. I'll always love you. Like you are my heart. And I was like, oh, babe, like, don't talk like that. <laughs> I was like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and, um, and then I went back to the church and we were at separate churches and that's when everything happened. And so that came back to my remembrance um, when I was kissing him on his forehead, I was like, I remember you told me I will always love you and you'll always, and I'll always love you. Right. And so that gave me peace. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I felt like he knew. Yeah. That makes sense. That's one of those, like, was that a coincidence? You know, probably not kind of a, kind of a thing. Exactly. So question for you. I, I know with, uh, for me, I'm going through this right now. My dad recently died. Um, and so I'm kind of like taking note of the maybe the ups and downs since my husband died and the ups and downs since my dad died, even though it's different deaths. And both with both, I felt really surrounded and really loved and I felt their presence around so strongly. And then after a few months, you don't feel it as much. So I am curious. Everybody's experience is different, but you felt peace did the peace stay? Did you have ups and downs? Were you just like, I'm going to forge ahead? Like, how has your widowhood journey been? Initially, because I had to put on a face for my children and the church because I was a leader. And everyone that was looking at me because he was this big musician. His funeral was like 3,000 people. Man. And so I had to put on a face of I can handle this because remember the word that God gave me, you'll get through this. And so I honestly believe God will always give you a word to carry you through your storm. It doesn't matter what the storm is. And so 
there was ups and downs. I went through a dark, dark, dark period of depression. Like y'all got to get my book. I ain't going to tell y'all too much now, but it was me almost committing suicide because I felt like, how is it that I'm out here loving my husband? We doing ministry together and serving God's people. And you would do this to me. And you have people out here that really don't like their husbands and sleeping in separate rooms, but you didn't take them. And over time, I had to realize that it's not personal, it's purpose. And over in the process of time, it, it didn't dawn on me that it wasn't really about me. I was the vessel being used to speak to widows, to encourage them. Because if I didn't go through my dark days, if I didn't go through my roller coaster of emotions, if I didn't go through the reassurance before the storm, then how could I really be a spokesperson for hope and change? Isn't that such a ripoff? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's too painful. <laughs> it's like, no, I do not want to sign up for this. Thank you. So you... You had already been through an abusive marriage, had the two kids, you met your love of your life, he dies, yes. and you're 30. 30. That's a lot. That's like, yes. if people even like have one or two of those things in their life, it's not usually before they're 30. It could be spread out, and it's still hard. Like, girl, that is yeah. a lot of trauma. But not, it doesn't end there. I grew up in foster care. I was raped at nine. Oh my and gosh. so it was trauma after trauma after trauma. And, and realizing that when I met my husband, I felt like I was at a sense of calm in my life. I had a sense of stability uh, in my life that I never experienced before. And so that really rocked my world because I was like, yo, dude, upstairs, like what's going on? Like, you really don't like me like that? Seriously. And that's how I talked to him. I was just like, you really don't like me like that? Like, <laughs> And so I was really angry at God. I went through a period where I was extremely angry. I was angry at everyone that had something positive to say to me because I didn't see that in my life. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't an example for me. It was never an example set for me. And so when I finally experienced it, I never realized that something good could last because it never lasts. I feel like that right now, like you're speaking mm. to me right now because I've had some of the same similar things that you're talking about and I am pissed right, right now. So like yeah. preach to me because <laughs> it's, this is hard it and is. I'm tired and it's like, yes, like, okay, finally I found a dude that like, it's really good. And then we have almost two years and he's dead and it's like, Hey, now, now what? And then it's like more trauma and more trauma. And there was more before that. And I'm like, Yeah. I'll tell you when I really had, like, it really changed for me. So my mom committed suicide when I was also nine. Did I add that? Okay. So I never really knew. I you, never really knew my mom. You have all, all of the things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so, and that's why, can I pause for a second? That's why I believe that when, when it's people like us that experience such traumatic things that happen to us in our lives, we are the, the structure of what peace, hope, joy looks like. 
because it is only by the grace of God that we are in our right minds. <laughs> Many people that have experienced what we have experienced probably would not have made it. And that's why they don't know what to say to us. And that's why they say, wow, I'm speechless because they couldn't imagine. And so you right now, I want you to think it all joy because it seems crazy. Like that's like crazy to me. How can I find joy in such pain, right? Well, because God is using you to be a mouthpiece for those that cannot make it over without your voice. They need to hear the pain you experience. They need to hear this raw feelings and emotions that you're going through. Like I'm angry as hell. And, and some days I don't know what to do. And some days I don't want to get out of bed. And some days I don't have a word for you guys but I'm still going to push past it. I'm going to push through it. And in the process of pushing through it, I'm going to show you, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be the face of hope. I'm going to be the face of how you overcome. If you go back, if you retreat and you go into that dark place and cover yourself with a pillow, how can people see? How did you know how Mel was coping? <laughs> I know, and it's so true. And it's like when when we started the podcast, we kind of didn't know why, but we kind of also were like, we've got to talk about this to people because yeah. this is new to us. We don't we didn't know about any of this stuff. Hopefully, it at least helps one other person. Right. And so to see you, uh, are you ten years out? You said I am eleven. Eleven years out, and you're like doing all these things you've had all, all of the trauma you're helping yeah. others it's really it, it's really like a testament to what experts always tell us where they're like community and people reaching back to help give a hand up yes. are key to healing yes and so i'll tell you what changed for me when my when when i was in that moment of almost taking those pills I remember, and I tell this in my book as well. I remember my hand was shaking so much. It, it fell. And I was like, you know, a fiend. I was like pulling it together. And I remember crying so bad. And I said, thinking my kids can't find me and go through what I went through. And so I remember crying out that day saying, God, if you tell me why, reveal to me why, I promise you I'll show others how. And you, and I spoke about this, that this weekend at, at a women's retreat, that you have to make a covenant between you and God to say, what is it that, why, why am I going through this? If I can discover my why, I promise you I can show others how to get through it. I promise you I can show others that there is light at the end of the tunnel. But you got to tell me, you have to reveal to me why I'm going through it. Remember your why. But you have to discover your why in order to remember your why. Do you think that all widows, you know, probably not everybody is destined to write a book Probably not everybody is destined to be have a podcast or a TV show or all of these things. Do you think that each person, they have a specific thing that they're supposed to do with their widowed story? I do. And, and some people, it might be 
more small and turned inward than maybe some who are meant to be more visible or or try to because I think that it it might put pressure on people Mm -hmm. to feel like they need to move some mountain or do some great act and sometimes we don't need to do that that you know our purpose might be to get ourselves and our family through it and and maybe for the next generations they'll look back and be like oh remember when grandma Coyle was able to <laughs> she reared four children in the wilderness <laughs> with only an axe <laughs> and a tin pot right and so here's the thing I'm glad you asked that question Anita so only you can tell your story period only you can tell your story I can tell my story and maybe your story may not been on the verge of suicide, but that's my story, right? And so even if your story is is sharing your grief story with a neighbor, it may impact their life. And your story that you told to your neighbor, they may tell to their daughter who may be on the verge of suicide. So you never, you never look at someone else's journey or someone else's idea of success and compare because what you are going through and what you have to say, you have a people designated to your voice, no matter how big or no matter how small. It is my destiny, Viery, Brandon, Nettlesford, for me to be an international speaker. It is my destiny to be a two-time, three-time, four-time, five-best-selling New York Times. You know what I'm saying? That may be my (laughs) destiny. That may not be your destiny. It doesn't make me better than you. It doesn't make me bigger than you. We are all on the same level. It's what you do with your story that matters. So I empower you to speak up. I empower you to talk to the neighbor, or you may see a lady walking down the street crying. And that may be your assignment to say, are you okay? You may change that person's life. You you have the power to impact people with your voice. Find the power in your voice. I have the power. <laughs> like like man. Yeah, I mean I I I think the same thing. I think everybody, you know, is on the planet to and has unique qualifications to make the planet a better place. And I I think that sometimes we get like you were just saying we get caught up in the in the ladder of am I am I worth enough? Do I need to be doing more? to be you know to improve my worth and it's like Mm -hmm. no it's not it's not how many books you've written it's not how many speaking gigs you've had you know it's it's how can you interact with just whoever is around you and to kind of like you said figure out what is what is your role what is your purpose what is the universe what is god whatever you know whatever your belief system is what is it pushing you towards doing and and finding that to do it but you said something so good too, Anita. You said generations behind us, right? And mm-hmm. so for me, what 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 started me to find my why is when I looked at my children and I said, you know what? My child's 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 child may go through something like this. 
And so I want my children to be positioned to encourage the next generation and be like, oh, great grandma Viery went through that. And this is how she handled it. And, and, and many of, many of us don't have that sense of forward thinking. Right. And we think, oh, it's just for the outside, but it's not right. It, it can start right in our homes. How our children see us go through matters. What we say in the midst of grief matters. What we sow into them in the midst of grief matters, showing them that it's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to sit for a moment, but don't stay there. This is how you get up. And, and that, that's what I was leading up to. The fact of what changed me is I said, I don't want my kids to go through depression like I did or like my mother did. I want to be able to show them that it's okay to seek help. And so I showed them that I went to therapy. I, I even took my oldest son to a session with me to show him it's okay. It's okay to be sad because you will, everybody, everybody in life will experience grief at some point, everyone. And so learning how to process properly and process effectively determines whether you're going to have a good mental health. So I'm curious about the timeline of, of how far out you were from his death when you went through this, because I know that there's a there's a period of time where you can't look forward. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like I'm just surviving for this minute and I can't think about my life going forward because it's so painful to think that your person will not be in any moment from here on out. So I don't want to think about that. So I'm curious how long it took you before you could start to have thoughts about like, I don't want to do that now because that will affect the future. That's a great question because you know how you talked about the roller coaster. That was me. So there was a period, I think within the first six months, I was in a dark room and my son came and sat in my bed. He's like, all right, mommy, you got to get up. And I was like, I don't know how, I don't know how to get up. I don't know how to keep going. I wouldn't even know where to start. Then the next six months I got up and I took a shower. <laughs> that clearly means I was thinking, guys. <laughs> Something we're both familiar we, with. We can fine. still smell you from back in the day. <laughs> it's still lingering, but thank you for showering. You're welcome. <laughs> so there was a period of time where I, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know where to start. Then the next six months, I got up and I celebrated the things that I did that day. Right. And so I was like, okay, I took a shower today, guys. Guess what? I took a shower today. Hey, have you heard? I took a shower today. Mm -hmm. Then I developed and I was like, okay, I grew a little bit and I started cooking. Yeah. And what helped me was looking at my children, celebrating me in the process. Right. And so after that, I started looking for a job. But it wasn't overnight. It was a process. And I will say I had a tribe. I had a tribe that saw my grief. They checked on me every day. They knocked on the door. Sometimes they, they just sat there. They didn't talk. Supporters. Hey, guys, I'm talking to you. Those <laughs> that are supporting people through grief. You don't always have to give an answer. 
it's good if you just sit there and shut up. <laughs> Did they have to wear a gas mask because you were so stinky? I, they never said anything, so I didn't have to get <laughs> They, they had a little uh, mentholatum on there. Yeah, they had nose plugs. <laughs> right. Maybe my kids did from time to time, but you know, not friends. They were nice. So, so yeah. So my tribe helped me, and then when I told them, you know, hey, I want to look for a job, they was like, oh, let's do it. You know, it didn't matter. They supported me through the process, and that helped me. Right. I think it was about six years in before I went to therapy. Wow. It was when I got really angry because I didn't start out angry, right? I started out sad. Mm -hmm. Then I went into denial. I was like, he's going to walk up the stairs. Like, I'm just going to hear the door open, right? Even though I was there through the whole process, I knew he wasn't coming back. But it was a part of me that was like in expectation of him coming through the door. And then I went through sadness again, depression. And then when I moved from one house, cause I couldn't be there anymore. Oh, I, I skipped the part. When oh, I went, I don't that, even want to know every, every time you have a surprise for us, it's like a horrible, <laughs> horrible thing. Please let it be that there was like an outbreak of roses that grew in your apartment. So you couldn't live in. Was it, was it mice infestation? No, I became homeless. Well, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's really not funny, but it was my, it's my truth because remember I wasn't working or anything. Um, and so I became homeless. I slept in the car with my kids for about three days. And then I realized I had to find a place because I, then I would lose my kids and I didn't want my kids to grow up without a mom like I did. And so it's so funny, a babysitter from church, it was month. I mean, she was in tune, right? She was like, Oh, I'll keep them overnight. Don't worry. And that's when I enrolled in college and I would take showers at the college. (laughs) Yeah. At the gym. And then my sister-in-law found out and she let us move into her one bedroom apartment. And me and my kids stayed on a queen size bed in the middle of the living room for eight months. Wow. And so still going through that, trying to keep my head together. Then I lost my car And then I just started looking for a job and no, no one knew at the time what I was going through, like the outside world. I was still on Facebook, like, Hey, look, I'm doing it. Right. And then one of my friends, friends got me a job at her job, started working. Then about eight months in social security administration, mailed me a check. (laughs) I guess they prorated it. And it was a good amount. And so I was able to get a one bedroom apartment that had a dining room and a living room. Good. So everyone had their own bedroom. (laughs) Good. I was like, so worried. It was beautiful. It was, it was really nice. It was in a, it, it was in a house, first floor. They had a back, we had a backyard. So through my kitchen, you were able to go into the backyard. You know, in New York, it's very difficult to find an apartment in a house for twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. That was, and he said to me, he said, "You remind me of my mom." He said, "That's the reason why I chose you for the apartment." See, that's what we're talking about with like your future generations. Yes, he mm-hmm. said, "You remind me of my mom coming over here from Jamaica with three kids wow. and no father." 
He said, and that's why I'm renting you this place for you can get up on your feet. And so my kids went to school around the corner. And so what changed me was it was a step-by-step journey, you know, um, but I realized that I needed help when I was angry at everyone, right? At that point, I moved from the the one bedroom to a three bedroom in um, Crown Heights, Brooklyn, which is, it was a really nice house. And I realized I stopped going to church. I stopped, I pushed all my friends away, but I thought I was healed at that point. I was like, oh, I'm good. No, I was horrible. (laughs) And that's when I went and got help because I was like, I can't live like, I don't like, I didn't like the girl, the woman that I was becoming. Yeah. I think that that is such important information to hear that this, that the timeline of this, because I think a lot of people will be surprised. And like, for me, it's like, oh, like that's kind of cautionary for me to not, I guess, let your guard down might not be like the best term, but, but kind of like that, you know, like Mm -hmm. still need to keep checking in because it's not like, it's just going to be, you know, like, oh, I'm better. No, I'm good to go now. And also I think so many of us have that weird, like, well, we should be functioning better after one or two years. And then after that, what, you're not better yet. And it's like, it's, it's actually like making me feel better that you said six years because this is a long ass journey. And I think we put pressure on ourselves to like get somewhere by a certain time. And it's just so unique for each person. It is. That's good. It's unique for each person. And grief has a tendency of piling on. (laughs) And so piling on in the sense of I lost my brother. I lost my mother. I lost my grandmother all in a four year span. So grief has a tendency of piling on. If you don't process it, you will become a person that you don't like. And so what I would say is my process may look different than your process. Let me just make that very clear. Mine's may be going to therapy. Yours may be getting a life coach. Another person's may be having a really good friend who does this for a living and you don't have to pay for it. (laughs) Could we all be so lucky? Right. (laughs) But I will say it is so important that you talk, talk it out. Holding that stuff inside has the potential to kill you. Yeah, I can see that too. I mean, and as a as a widow that doesn't have kids, I don't have the same stressors. Like Anita and I like talk about this all the time and it's like, I don't have the same stressors and like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like high stakes, you know, lives that I'm managing. But the isolation part is so real because I'm not required to go take care of a child. So dealing with your life first is the high stakes. Because if you're not right, you can't be right for anyone else. Children, sister, brother, cousin, it doesn't matter. So your life is valuable. Your life is worthy, right? And so it doesn't matter if you have kids or not. Like what you are dealing with, it's your journey. And do not allow, I think I said this before, do not allow anyone to dictate your journey. It's your journey right? And so you have the power. 
That power is in your hands to gear your journey. Do not let anyone tell you, oh, because I don't have children, I'm not dealing with you, but you're dealing with it. It's something that you've experienced. So my experience is not better or more valuable because you don't have children. He was still your husband. And you decided when you married him, you had plans. You had plans to have children. You had plans to buy a house. You had plans to create a future together. And so your plans is no less worthier than mine because I had a child. It doesn't matter. And if anyone says anything to you, you send them on my way. Yeah. Because <laughs> she has the sword of He-Man because she has the power. She has the power. <laughs> so, so I'm curious about, I mean, like this is, you're just, it's just really, I don't know if fun's the right word either, to talk to somebody who's 10 years out and has been to the depths and then you talk with such passion and such, you know, clarity. It's like, guess what, guys? Like, we can be like her, and, you know. I encouraging. Can, I it's encouraging. So your life has continued. I mean, it's been 10 years. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, your more recent years and what has wow. happened therein? Sure, but don't rob me of my one year. It's 11. Okay. Oh, that's right. <laughs> it's 11. I was like, what are you talking about? 11. Talk I'm so sorry. Yeah, tell us about what led to you now having a hyphenated last name. Please. It's so interesting. In the 10th year, so in the ninth year, I moved from New York to Maryland and I packed up. Like my son was graduating college and I was like, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And I made up my mind. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. He graduated on Thursday. I packed the truck on Thursday night and I was out on Friday. And I was in my new apartment. Of course, I did the research. I had my apartment and I was starting my new job on that Monday. So there was no break. Dropped him off to college on that Saturday and came back home, prepared for work. Then, oh, here we go. <laughs> and so I was going, I was going to work. It was 2019 and my now husband was looking at uh, um, looking at me from the window. It was my first day of work. He didn't realize it was my first day of work. And after we got married, we talked about it. He was like, yeah, I saw you around August. And I'm like, that's when I started the job. <laughs> <laughs> so he saw me getting out of the car. He was looking at me from, so he's a chief engineer. And so he was the engineer of the building. So he was looking. Not um, the chief engineer of the train. I'm kind of sad now. <laughs> Well, he was the engineer of the train too, because no. he was looking out the window and uh -huh. he saw me getting out of my car, coming into the building. He was like, who is that? <laughs> and so time went on. I, I knew one of the other engineers, because I was always cold. Like you will see my heater. I'm always cold. And so I would call them up and I'm like, y'all have to do something with this. Like it's freezing in here. So I am not surprised. Every week they would, they would come upstairs like, what are you talking about? It's only 72. I'm like, 72 is cold, dude. Like, what do you mean? Like, I need 92, please. Thank you. Yeah. And so one day, he, um, I was coming in the building saying hi to the other engineer. And he said, I kind of caught an attitude with him. And I kind of looked at him. I was like, hi to the other guy. And looked at him and was like, mm. <laughs> 
I don't even realize I did that. Could you guys imagine me doing something like that? Like, no, no never. <laughs> so then I invited my son to, to, to work with me. He came down from college and one day we were getting in the elevator, him and I, my son and I, and I saw this big dark skinned brown man. And I was like, Oh, who are you? <laughs> and so he was getting in the elevator and I think he came over on purpose because I never recognized him. And so I realized that my son is six, three. So anybody taller than my son, I'm intrigued. And so he's six, seven. So my son, yeah. So I was like, and so he turned around in the elevator. Hello. He's British. <laughs> so what? He's- Stop. Yay. That's, this is like a movie now. We're in movies. Right? Oh man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's British and he turns out and says, hello. I was like, well, hello, Mr. Englishman. <laughs> Did you really say that? No, I was thinking oh, it in <laughs> And so my son's looking at me and I'm turning red because I'm like, hi. I'm like, who are you? And so he gets out of the elevator. So time goes on. But in the process, he used to run downstairs just to open the door for me to say hello. And I thought he was the doorman. (laughs) (laughs) Like, hello. And so one day. He brought you a sandwich and he proposed to you. No, (laughs) it has to be different. So one day my coworkers went to lunch and he saw them leaving the building, but he didn't see me go. So he came around to my desk. Mind you, he had already went to my desk to find out my name, looked me up on the internet, Clearly, you can see everything about me. And so he already knew about me before he met me. And one day he came upstairs and he's like, so you're not going out with your coworkers? I'm like, no, I just want to stay in. We, we've been talking ever since. Wow. We never stopped talking. What is his name? His name is Terrence. <laughs> his name Terrence is Terrence. the tall British man. Yes, so Terrence the tall British man. Did you become best friends and then get engaged or yes. how did it work out no yes okay i don't believe in claiming someone before you're like committed like because this world is so crazy right and especially for for me personally i did that before like i dated in the process of uh being a widow and it didn't work out too well like keeping my relationship private and to me, for me, it was important to me. Like I didn't even tell my friends and family until six months in. And, and I only told them because they said they were coming to visit me in Maryland. <laughs> Had they not said that, I would have not told them, right? Even my partner here, Maya Tyler, I still didn't tell her and she's here in Maryland. Like I didn't tell anyone and I just kept it for me. I feel like that part, it was for me, right? Yeah. And I wanted to protect it as much as I could. And so, yeah, yeah. So it was 2019 when you met him. Is that correct? Yes. Were you feeling or did you feel at any point in time impatient that? No. no. Okay. I I am, was just curious about that because I think that some people, I mean, everybody's journey is very different, like you were saying. And some people would like to be in a relationship again. And some people are happy not being in a relationship and um, so you were just fine how you were and it kind of came to you as it needed to. And you know why? Because like I said, I was in two previous relationships. 
And so for me, I didn't want to go through that again, like being disappointed or, you know, putting myself out there and really not reaping this, the harvest in which I was sowing into. And so I felt like it was important for me to take my time. Honestly, I didn't expect it to turn into anything. That wasn't my expectation, right? I just wanted him to put up my TV because so, <laughs> I just moved into the house and I was like, I need the TV mounted, right? And he didn't even need to stand on a step stool. Exactly. Like, you know, so, but there are, even till recent, like before we got engaged, it was my friend that brought it to my attention. Like, Viery, you do want to get married again. I'm like, nah, I'm really good. Like 10 years by myself and doing what I want to do, going how I want, you know, not answering all of that commitment stuff. Like I was really genuinely okay. If it happened, it happened. If it didn't, it didn't. Right. And so going through the process, I really didn't want to tolerate a lot of stuff, honestly, because I had already been through craziness. I was like, one little thing and I'm done. I can see that was me. how that would be. Yeah, totally. You know? And so, um, like, like you said, everyone's journey is different for those that do want to get married again. Be honest with yourself. Don't fake it for anyone. Like, don't say, no, I don't, or I'm okay. Or the guilt, the guilt that comes with being in another relationship and feel like you're dishonoring your husband. It's a real thing. Let me just put that out there. I did go through that in the beginning, right? And beginning to date and feeling like, and then I did the comparison thing like, oh, my husband would never do that to me. Or, oh, my husband would never treat me that way. Or, oh, my husband would, would go out and get me some ice cream. And so I had to be healed from all of that stuff before I was really ready to remarry because that's not fair to the next person that really loves you and really wants to be a part of your life. There is a thing where I talk to my widows, my widow clients, where learning how to compartmentalize, there is a place in your heart for your, your husband that passed away. And there, there will be, if you allow it, a place in your heart for a new husband. The choice is yours. You don't ever want to be in a new relationship and be miserable. Enjoy it. Really enjoy it. And if you don't feel like you are enjoying it, then go step, take a step back to say, you know what? Maybe I'm not ready. It's not you. It's me. There you go. <laughs> That's great advice, though, because if you bring all that stuff and it's unresolved, it's a recipe for... Disaster. More disaster and we've already gone through a lot of trauma and heartbreak and and yeah. and I can see why you'd be like okay one thing and I'm out of here yeah but I think also it's important I'm gonna speak to the ones that desire or or is in the process of dating a widow or widower yeah can I speak to that for a Please second do yeah do not try to replace the person that's the number one thing that the new spouse or person that's in a relationship does. Like they want you to love them the way you loved your husband or you loved your wife. That ain't going to happen. Let me just burst your bubble. It's not going to happen because you're not them. 
You are not them. You are your own person. So bring what you have to the table. And that, and we will see, we as widows and widowers, we will see the beauty in you. And either we will re receive you or we will say, no, this is not for me. Go on your way. But never try to replace the, the spouse or the deceased spouse. The next thing I would say is be patient. Be patient with us. Don't tell us not to feel. Don't tell us not to think about them. Don't tell us, you know, you ain't over them yet. That is a sure sign that we will get rid of you. <laughs> yes. The number one sign. And the third tip I would give the, the dating person that's dating a widower or widow is, is just let them be them. Give them the space and opportunity to express their feelings and they will love you that much more. But you have to be genuine in doing it. Don't do it because you want their love. Doing do it, don't do it because you want their love and you want to in you want to entice them or you want to woo them. Do it because you really want their love. And that will be revealed over time. And so yes, I married my next <laughs> I love, I just want to pause for just a second because two of the things you just said were about being true to yourself, right? And being authentic. And it's the person, both people in the relationship need to be true to who they actually are and not trying to be somebody else in order to, you know, win, yeah, love and affection. It's like you need to be who you are and know that who you are, exactly how you are, is good enough. Yes. Right. And of course, we can improve ourselves. And, you know, we can work on habits and not being a jerk to people. But we don't need to change who we are to impress never somebody else. Change who you are because you want to change who you are. And also, I just want to say even without the widowed scenario, knowing who you are is hard and takes time. So everybody remember that. Like it's one thing to say it and then it's another thing to be in it and do it and then do it with what we've been through. Right. Miss V, it is just so great to hear all of your experience and I'm so sorry that you've had all of the stuff happen, but also like you said, you are using it for a purpose and I know that this is going to help so many people. We've talked about so many different subjects today and I, you're an inspiration and, and it's empowering us and we can't wait to share your episode with the world and your your words. So now, will you tell us where somebody can find you if they are interested in all of the things that you've done? Oh, you don't have to search hard. <laughs> Google. <laughs> Google.com, right? Yes. So Google. But you can go to www.vyriebrandon.com and I will spell that. It is V as in Victor, I-O-R-E-E. -E brandon b-r-a-n-d-o-n.com and you can find me on all social media outlets at i am viary we will link to all of those things in the show notes so it's easy to find and you can find you've written two books are those available wherever books are sold they are they are available at amazon.com you can actually go under my author's page viary brandon nettlesford and you will see both of the books there um my new starts now and 
friend, wounded, widowed, and winning is there. And for the special offer. What? There's a special offer? There's a special offer. (laughs) You can go to my website and get the new book for only $15.99. On Amazon, you're paying $25 plus shipping and handling. On my website, you will get the new book, the new, the new, the new and juicy book. Wounded, widowed, and winning for oh, okay. fifteen ninety nine. I was like, is there a third one? No. Okay. Oh, it will be Second. soon. Stay tuned. Okay. Stay tuned. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Thank you so, 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 so much for joining us today. I'm so glad that we were able to connect um, in Tampa and so that we could connect later on here because I think a lot of people are going to love what you have had to say. Thank you. I, I love you, ladies. Oh. You are the bomb.com. We had so much fun talking to you when we got cornered in Camp Widow that like <laughs> we couldn't even stop. So we knew this was going to be a fun day to talk. And thank you for um your life skills in letting timing come to you because obviously we are sort of a disaster and it took us a bit to connect, but thank you. We're so glad you don't hate us. Oh, no, no, no. Thank you so much. Also, I wanted to mention, if for those of you that would like a 15-minute free one-on-one coaching, um, you can. I do life coaching and widow coaching. So, you know, you can book a free uh, one-on-one with me, and then I have coaching programs after. I, I didn't want to miss mentioning the coaching program and she has been through it all so has all the experience so yes cannot (laughs) go wrong we have one final question for you my friend all right what is your favorite cheese cheese (laughs) cheese cheese like like the food like i was gonna say what do widows do now (laughs) oh no we're not that deep we tricked you what kind of cheese do you like the best? I like provolone. Ooh, Ooh smoked, smoked or unsmoked? Smoked yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening today. Remember, come check us out in the Widow Wives Club if you want to be part of our private community. It's on Facebook. Make sure you answer all the questions. If you want to keep the podcast going, check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash WWDN. If you'd like to buy us some tacos, go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now. And remember that all of this can be found within the app in any app store. And you just type in widow we do now. And like we said before, give us a rating and review if you have not taken the time to do that. That really helps the visibility of the podcast and helps us to find more widows and widowers. A nice one, please. Until we talk to you again, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. And I am Byrie the Brandon. <laughs> and we are just two young widows and one seven and a half trick pony. <laughs> and we're all just trying to figure out widow. We do now. Yay! I think she's like an infinity trick pony. I think there's no ceiling for her. I think so too. This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan. Especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, You might need another option and you just want your phone to work. You want unlimited texting and service and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month.
it blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks. And so you don't have to pay extra for that. And you still get great service. Yep. Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it. And my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not, who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So. If somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita? Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money. And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.